Amani is so day boy. Amani is so. Sorry, I thought. Sorry, I thought you pull up um, a jungle tune there, you know. For the, for the... <laughs> he sung that good. No, he sung that good. What's up, um, gentlemen? What's up? What's up? Good yes, night, I... villagers. Good morning. Good evening. Good night, and welcome to another edition of the Heights Room. I'm here with. The original prankster Torian Linton and the Caribbean yogi Shankara Lessi. Fellas, how are they doing? What's up? Hi there, hi there. Anxious on my second dose. Things getting live yeah. here now. Just you ain't got your second one yet? No, dog. Now, but you get a little fire. Yeah. You get a little fire. But don't worry, it's a purification kind of fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now come soon. My parents get them one, them get them second dose, them take them get the astros in the car. And they get the, the astro. Second, the astro. So they get that, <laughs> they're good. Um so yeah, just me, just waiting, watching everybody get. So what's the scene on all the end? Well uh see our man trying to thief Juve. That what going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, social media was lit with Killmonger trying to kill off Juve, apparently. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, yes. it, he was called out to, Yeah, he was called <laughs> out for cultural appropriation. And there are a lot of different um views on this. A lot, I mean, I think it's it's kind of split down the middle, if you ask me, from what I've been seeing, but at the same time. Maybe that's just on my end. For some people, I think it's all, you know, a case of cultural appropriation. Let's see, what is your thoughts on this um, Juve rum? That, I mean, is a rum that a lot of, a, a lot of um, celebrities, I think, trying to see, they see in value in, you know, Caribbean branding and that kind of thing. I noticed um, DJ Khaled did something similar with Ciroc, some Ciroc, um, some brands of Ciroc that he did, some mango flavor and, you know, you could see kind of dabbling a little bit in the in, in the Caribbean vibe and things. So I think it was not more than a business decision from them for the side. But I just glad, you know, everybody jump up and let him know, well, you know, now everything you could, you know, you can't jump on everything. But yeah, because at the end of the reasonable day, from what I understand, yeah. you know? Yeah, because at the end of the day, putting out some Caribbean tinge flavors, it's Ciroc. It's Ciroc is the brand. Um, right. The pe- pe- people's issue would have been that, you know, the wood juve is something very specific to our culture it's very it's very meaningful to mm. our culture and that um it it would only make sense that something that is going on a big scale um from you know that side of things where you know big business side of things that is going to be called juve shouldn't some be directly linked to us you know if he was somebody like you know who normally frequents carnival and has ties with certain mass bands or some kind of thing and people will be like oh he's ambassador you know he's one of our ambassadors we, we know him but he has never yeah. been he has never been seen as that and i think people kind of went on a kind of like so how we just 
jump out just so. But again, I think legally too, you know, we have to understand that if he uses the word Juve within America, it's not like if we can't use it here for any product here as well. So it's a kind of, I think people need to be educated about the 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 logistics. Yeah, you see that well. patent thing does work. You understand mm. it? Had no patent for Juve registered uh, copyright. No, it it trademark, trademark. I think it's the, trademark, the word. Yeah, yeah trademark. Believe No, no, copyright. copyright. So copyright. the copyright is a little different. So the trademark is when it's not registered with the copyright board of, of, of the US and uh, copyright is when you actually go through the U.S. Patent Office. They do a public, um, pu uh, they, they they publish it publicly. Uh, it's similar to letters of administration, where they would publish it publicly and give people an opportunity to say, "Well, no, I have claim to that too as well," and that kind of thing. And then when it when it go through that process, then the U.S. Patent Office will stamp it and say, "Well, okay, you're copyrighted." And at that time, you could put R, the R circle. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what that that's what that registered means. Copyright registered. Trademark means you ain't get it yet, but it's in the process. Yeah, that's right. right. So right. Um, maybe in the process of it. So you know. Well, but, um, but well, I just find it a little strange doing that. Wave Angostura jump a jump out with our brand with a on so bad. But Angostura, as far as I see, when he take he picked John thing, he had to Angostura because bottle. Yeah, but they said they said they won't. They not linked to it. He just put that in it. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. They say they not. They say they not linked to it. Um, if Angostura did it, it's not Angostura. Angostura is make bitters. Angostura is down here. You know, so the tie to us now. You know, this wasn't mm. tied to us. It was bigging us up, but it wasn't tied to us. You know, so like. Well, what you know, about, what about as, as what you're saying, it wasn't tied to us, but shouldn't we have put out our olive branch, so to speak, to make sure it tied to us in that way? I think a lot of people are upset about that. We could have do that instead. Instead mm. of fighting only man, we could have joined the wave and ride it for mm -hmm. as long as we could. Well, mm -hmm. I, I, I guess all that is up, up for the debate. Um, Blinks, who was on the podcast, um, in the earlier episodes, Blinks is a um, IP, you know, um, expert, and he has a lot of things that he can say. So probably at a later point, we'll bring him on and probably talk about this in in, in depth because um, there's a, a article he did on it. I will see if I can get get it to you guys. All right, Mo moving moving on from that now, we have Barbados begins reopening process with high technology. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's see a little bit about this. Who, who could fall in on this? Does he take it away? Yeah. Well, I mean, what it is is that they, they, they start the process. Then it seemed like them is one of the first out of these stables in the Caribbean to really start to you know normalizing and that kind of thing. And in doing that, they're doing it with proper technology. They have something called um, BIM app. No, BIM safe. Um, BIM safe. Yeah, so been safe. Um, so, so they're opening back their some, borders pretty much. That's what we're they're going opening on. back their borders, but they're doing it with some strong technology. So you're basically getting something like a FET ban, but it have like QR codes and um, all them barcode and all them things to actually track you where you're going. Let me see. It gives you a trap. So you you install. You have to install the app on the on on your phone. You been safe app. Right. Um, with with the ban, basically allows you yeah that thing right there. So it basically streamlining your whole travel experience. You're getting online ed form, self-assessment, dashboard, telling you where health centers is, testing requirements, approved hotels, local protocols, travel. No, but it's, it's pretty yeah, impressive. It's pretty impressive, you know. You roll things like this yeah. out. I mean, this is the age we're living in. You roll something like this yeah. out, you know. This is how you're going to be able to monitor. I mean, again... Um, it might, you know, 
at a on a large scale it might not apply to everyone as easily if you know you have a mass influx of people like repatriation and so on in Trinidad. When we open our borders, there's gonna be all kind of people coming. They mightn't, you know, mightn't have the phone to put it on the app and all kind of you don't even know, right? But um but yeah. but um this this is really impressive. I would say this is yeah. really, really impressive. I, I, I would hope I would hope Trinidad will take lessons learned though. Um mm -hmm. in terms of once it is we decide to go to, to reopen and thing, that we have something similar. You know, because it, it could do nothing now but help cut. That was definitely, it, definitely. You know? No, definitely, you know? definitely. It, it 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 pretty much have to be done. I think if we don't yeah, do this too, then we yeah, we'd have to be done. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I this all these data. Um, exactly. Philip Alexander. Well well I, I I think um that in given given the the gravity of the situation and the fact that you we have a problem with management of things in an efficient manner in Trinidad and it seems that there's always that lack of the use of the, the technology that keeps back the improvement of yeah. these processes it can only do good as you're saying and all with the data and so yeah. on hopefully you know that's how when you when you put it on you can take it off at some point you know what i mean but um <laughs> you know um that i guess I when think, you reach that I point think you know. it, i think it's about opportunity here while saying is that mm -hmm. while yes you know and, and we keep bringing this in the in, in the heights room transfer the risk to the person best designed to handle it yeah, the sound that you know, this is not something that you know, I mean, Ian Allen or you know, somebody in the ministry of health have to take partner with Digicel, partner with B Mobile, get the private sector involved. You know, what I mean, they would be able to handle a risk on something like this really good. You know, open it up, you know, um, liberalize the industry, allow people to come and party, private sector to participate, and then you could have something as efficient as that, I think, running. So, I think it's an opportunity for something like that. Definitely. Yeah, Again, definitely. we can only hope. We can only wait and see, brother. Pop. Now, on the on the flip side, where we have opening up in Barbados, right here at home, is just close, close, and more closed down. Right. Close. So, what we going on it is popular barataria alignment spot closes and up for sale. Popular barataria banaris on the avenue has decided not to reopen its establishment. It is now up for sale. After great consideration, we announced the sale of our property, inclusive of the bar. Owner Ram Singh Lala said yesterday his decision to sell the decades-old establishment is not about financial rules related to closures within the COVID-19 restrictions. He said it is putting family first. So, I don't know. To, boy, boy. To, to me, to me it, it, it screams that, you know, if it wasn't for the, the situation, um, you know, so you it would not have happened. You think he, he's trying nothing? I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. Dodo, Dodo, Dodo. I know we should fight on the man. The man give you reason. You want to close? You want to close? You must be fed up. What about we have missed? Yeah. You get time to sit at home and relax because COVID. Yeah. Mm. Realize like, yo, me and need that headache to run business. No, we got to worry about people coming yeah. to rob you. You got to stay up all yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And he must say, yo, let me lock up this thing here and take yeah. it easy, sell it, and he retire. Um, Who knows? He might leave you and that. And yeah. Well, that goes to show I mean, you too, eh? How much the the situation change it, you know, it change everybody take on the day to day activities of what is life now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, when a man making money every day and I know that is there's the cog in the machine running. It's when you're really rock back and say, well, "Watch now, I live in, I'm breathing, I'm merely bound to do this right through, right through." So, because the man yeah. says he's missing half of his life, always had to study, walk, 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 walk with see? the business. So, I mean, exactly. It's according. But then it's about yeah. the whole next side too, right? 
Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about it is that, I mean, I spent five of my years in Barataria working, and I could tell you, Naris is an institution, fellas. You can't talk Barataria mm-hmm. without Naris. When you want mm-hmm. to go online, you go Naris by the bar. You understand? Naris on the corner, you know, there's no parking, there's no way to go. You, you can fall in the box train right there. But I mean, <laughs> Naris is the famous and Champions League, you know, 2020, CPL, everything. You understand? Yeah. Naris is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So why, well, why are you getting the government of Michael to put in a bit less? Yeah, well, you know, we go deal with that. You know, so I'm uh, saying we go deal with that. So it's song like the end. Of, it's a song like the end of fight. You ready for the lineman spot? Yeah, song so. Yeah, boy, that one is a hard one. So mm-hmm. I come moving on now to something a little less um, how to put it, of a jovial nature when it comes to lineman and so on. A comedy of errors, right? We have this whole thing about the AV ruling and. The cost in Petrochem one billion and and so on and so on. You know, I mean, it's it. Don't you really hate listen to the to the to the figure involved there? State-owned Petrochem has been urged by senior counsel Deborah Peak to move quickly and file an application to the High Court to set aside the results of an arbitration between AV Oil and Gas and Petrochem that could cost a state company close to one billion dollars. Billy, 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 Billy. Let's see. <laughs> Wait. This is this is madness, Dred. And and madness, the thing about it is right? that a lot of people would look at this fellas honestly and think it's an isolated incident. I could say without a shadow of a doubt it's not an isolated incident. I fed up go on different state entities and once it is something reach mediation and arbitration, the mm-hmm. state just get rinsed out. And the state does usually get rinsed out because you have different politics playing and things, Dred. And men just do, the state just don't put a proper legal team in place in order to defend the case. You understand? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is exactly what goes on. If you read the details of the case itself, is that basically Petrotrin basically didn't show up. And I, I can't tell you how much cases I had to jump on in order during the arbitration part of the proceedings in order to defend the state. And you find like you're there on your own. You understand what I'm saying? And what really? arbitration? Is basically a step before the court so that taxpayers don't have to pay all our money with trials and things now. And they basically assess all the situation objectively and say, fellas, this is what you get, and I bind it. You understand? So that position that come out with that AV thing, fellas, that bind it. The only way the state could get away from paying that now is if they take it to a trial. Um, and once they go to the court, the court will basically look back and say, well, listen, was the arbitration? They will go back to the arbitration. And they will say, well, listen, is it that the arbitration was unfair? Uh, so there's a lot of cases where that arbitration will end up standing as is and dies waiting. So so to me, state institutions had to get a house in order, Dred, and start to take these arbitrations seriously, boy, and get proper legal yeah. uh, support. And not just, you know, it, and it does have a lot of friend fronting in that too, especially if it's our friend. They go figure, well, here what you go put a young open no set a strong legal team just to kind of show that you go through the process, but then they end up within the case on that kind of thing. And oh gosh, we have to stop that. It's taxpayers' money. Yeah, son. Well, and the, the thing about it is, Petrotrin, you know, it's that's it exists just for things like this now. Petrotrin, the world <laughs> itself, exists only for to lose money to in cases and, and, and such. Right. And speaking of that, we come to what our episode tonight is about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Many of you would mm-hmm. many of you would have seen the ad that went around saying why did we close Petrotrin? All right. 
I mean, it's been a while now. Some people want to know why we're talking about it now. But we will see now why we're talking about it. And we'll see how much people glean something from this episode. Bringing to our podcast tonight, we have Navin Babulal. He is a process engineer with 14 years of experience in the oil and gas industry. And he worked at Petrochin Point Up Refinery for 11 years. Welcome, Navin. All right. Yes, Good night, uh, everybody. Um, thanks for having me Yeah, man. And also, we have none other than Timothy mm -hmm. Bailey, the president yeah. of the Steelworkers Union of Trinidad and Tobago. Timothy, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Good night, guys. Um, thanks for inviting yeah. me to the chill setting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be part of, um, of the show tonight. Hi, yeah, man. Yeah, we're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. You know, and the thing is, we 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 promoted it as uh as why we did because Petrotrain. But that question in and of itself is not to say only to do with Petrotrain. Why did we close Petrotrain? Mm -hmm. Why did we close? Why is Metal closed? When are what are we looking forward to? Right? What 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 is what does the future hold for all of those workers who have been laid off, ostracized from the industry, and so on? Right? Um. So so. So as um, I would have said about Navin, Navin, you worked at Petrotrin for 11 years or so? Yeah, it was 11 years um, from release trade out of UE up until the point of closure. Um, right, right. Oh, so, UE. Yeah, and yeah, so and, right up until that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Timothy, you we were work at Asala Metal? Yeah, I worked there for 12 years. Um, obviously, half of the years I would have been on Sacramento the Union. Definitely, oh, definitely, definitely. We we'll get into all that union business in a bit. So let's start off with the with the meat of the matter, as the the ad would have um, suggested. Why did we close Petrotrain? So, um, Navin, if you can start us off, from your opinion, being being there for eleven years, being part of that culture, being part of that entity, understanding the ins and outs, why was Petrotrain closed? Right. Um. Thanks for a loaded question, but <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I, I feel like we can't talk about Petrotrin without um trying to understand the history a little bit, right? So I mean, everybody know Petrotrin there forever. The organization was around for like rough, a little over hundred years. Um, in various incarnations, and what it was was like a amalgamation of a whole set of smaller oil production or even refining entities that over time kind of came together through the um the government basically so you would have maybe had like these private entities um like the examples would be like the trend that would have hear about or the u-bots or the shells or whatever um they would have had maybe production assets or, or refinery assets or some some combination thereof and as they would have maybe closed down bit by bit the government would have taken control of them and eventually over time this became into the huge entity that we saw as being petrogen towards the end right um the Throughout the, like that space of time, the both sides of the asset, I would say the upstream and the downstream asset, would have had some upgrades going along to keep it running, to deal with maintenance issues, that kind of thing. And um, at the point of it becoming Petrotron in 1993, it would have been what is called a fully integrated oil company, right? That means you have um, what we like to call vertical integration in business, meaning that you're, from the beginning of your source, in this case, you crude oil, Going all the way down to refining and selling product was what the company was involved in and, and all aspects in between. Um, the reason we need to kind of think about the history is because Petrodon would have 
is basically a group of legacy assets that come together, right? At the point of forming in, in 93, maybe like the newest asset in, in Petrotrin that we would have recall, and Petrotrin would have probably be already 20 years old. So right. you had to think about, okay, um, you have a, a asset here that old, both sides, upstream and downstream, and that maintenance will require upgrades. It will require maybe a higher cost than you would expect. It might have a cost than you expect for, for a modern or a new facility. So that's like one of the issues I think that would uh, would have feed into it, right? Now, by virtue of being old, it means you have to spend money to come into the new, to, to basically be useful in, in the current setting. So driven by market changes, the thing people don't realize with the oil industry is that it has changed all the time. Like mostly driven by, by um, environmental aspects, but also driven by, by efficiency or, or better data. Um, an example I could use is this you know, transition towards cleaner fuels. When we were younger, we would have had lead in the diesel, sorry, in the gasoline. Um, right. As time goes by, we remove lead from gasoline and that would have come at a cost to the company, right? They would have had to go towards making good fuel from purely what you had rather than using lead as additive and moving along with your life. Um, and this example could be in terms of price competition. So as you know, people get more efficient, refineries become more efficient, they become more profitable, they might be able to, to push the market in a, a better way. Maybe I could, as a huge refiner or a huge producer, and I could try to undercut the, the market a little bit. This is exactly where, um, exactly where you see with, with um, Saudi Arabia recently and Russia, where they're trying to have the price war. Right. So, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. thing could, it could be negative, but it could also force efficiency into an entity, right? Where mm -hmm. either you compete, you, you upgrade and compete, or you, you give up. Um, so, you know, that, that would have led, led Petrotrin as an entity now to have expenses that maybe mm -hmm. a, a new refiner or a newer um, company, if you will, wouldn't necessarily have to deal with, right? Conversely, though, you had to remember that they didn't necessarily have to pay for the assets any way you would have do it if you were starting from new, right? You know, where you right. got to go on mm -hmm. and borrow a uh, a, you know, however many billion dollars to get this thing started, you don't necessarily have to go down that road. Um, then, by virtue of being state or no, Petrin had a responsibility to this country. Right. That is probably one of the questions that we will need to dive into as we go along. And what are supposed to mean Petrin one, and then what are supposed to mean for, for state entities in general? Because we have a whole heap of them that supposedly just do different things to achieve the aims of our government overall, I guess, to improve our society. And, you know, we probably would need to unpack a little bit what was the role of Petrotron in this and how that could have affected the company from a, you know, a pure profit and loss standpoint as opposed to maybe like an economic standpoint or economic gain standpoint. Um, and then, you know, what that could have do to the, the, con the company in terms of its foreign exchange position or that kind of thing. Um, as an offshoot of that now, maybe your, your labor costs and your operating costs in general could be higher. For, for two reasons. One, you know, you, um, you have that, basically you have that, um, that legacy issue that, okay, my equipment older, so it might be less efficient, but I still need to run it, that kind of thing. Um, or also, uh, I inherit uh, an organization that had systems, right? So in, in the days this industry starts, basically, you know, it had nothing, right? If if you talk to some real older heads from the Gasparillo and Marbella area and thing, they could tell you about how, mm -hmm. you know, what is Tropical Plaza now used to be right. a high low grocery or even before right. that there would be a shopping place to live in the refinery compound and that kind of jazz. So yeah. you know, the, the company itself 
over time and all its little and all its entities that predecessor entities that came together would have resulted in the company being self-sufficient. And maybe that is not necessarily the most efficient model to run in the current day when contracted services or, or something like that might be the easiest thing to get. And I mean, I would definitely like to hear Timothy views on this as we go along, because you know it, it would have been a, a point of contention between the company and, and the union. And then how this is deal with that in a modern era where maybe your competitors have a, a much lower operating cost than you would I expect. Um, Within that, I want to say we probably need to ask the question of is it fair to compare yourself to to these kind of refiners either? Like, is it fair to compare an entity like Petrin, whose responsibilities, in my opinion, extended well beyond just profit and loss to the actual state of Trinidad and, and what it would have done for Trinidad as a company, to, you know, uh, another private entity who in the same business? I'll try to use a so, name that's not... So, mm -hmm. when you say that the state entity... Um, let's bring, let's bring, let's, let's go into that one time, right? Mm -hmm. The state entity owes something to the to the nation. What what are we talking about here? And what are we talking about beyond profit and loss here? All right. So in this, this is my opinion. Um, basically, mm -hmm. I think a, a state entity would should exist at the directive of the government, right? Meaning, mm -hmm. I as a government decide, okay, I'm going to start a company, and I will use this company as a vehicle to achieve certain strategic objectives that I have for my country. Again, personal opinion, the um the the role of the government should always be to improve the lives, the lives of its citizens, right? I, I don't mm -hmm. view the government as a business. I don't think they should be yeah. in the efforts or, you know, be trying to be running a, a to make a profit, right? That That's not their role. Mm -hmm. Their role is to mm -hmm. improve our lives as the citizens mm -hmm. of this country and to use our resources to the best of their ability to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Now, granted... So so we're talking about the, the 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 workforce itself that would be involved in petrochemical and the, the 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 petroleum and bringing back subsidy and all that to the country and all of that. We're talking about exactly yeah. That that's kind mm -hmm. of where I'm going with it. So mm -hmm. I mean, different entities have different rules, right? But mm -hmm. the, and granted, petrochemical wasn't necessarily set up for that, but it kind of evolved into that over time, where mm -hmm. you know the we will start with the gasoline subsidy or the fuel subsidy in general for this country. Um, it would have had times, years, where the fuel subsidy was necessarily paid to the fullest to the company. Um, right. You know, the government may have been mm -hmm. in a tight position or whatever it is. I, I don't necessarily have details on it. But, I mean, we, right. know, we know they would have had times right. when, okay, they can't pay the subsidy this month. You know, you'll take it a couple of months down or whatever. Um, right. So, there's that. Okay, continue, continue. And, and then, yeah, I think an entity like that does have some degree of a responsibility to provide employment. Um, not necessarily to the, the point of being overstaffed, but at a point that is, is fair with regards to how your country does operate. Um, right. You know, we, we still live in a Trinidad where some people, not all, but some people still have permanent jobs, right? I would beg people to look a little further outside and look at countries where, you know, government employees, public servants are contract employees. Teachers are contract employees. You just teach for six months and then they send you home and you come back. So, you know, in terms of, for me, in terms of, um, of the economic standing of your country, is not necessarily about welfare economics, as Irvin put, but about providing an environment where people could have sustainable long-term work. And overall, by their efforts, you know, contribute to the economy, right? Um, I, 
as an engineer, I believe in physics. I, you know, the efforts you put forward don't should be that your energy converting into growth for your country. It's, it's not about just doing it for the sake of it. Right. I mean, one, one thing I would say though, Navin, is that um, while we, yes, concerned with the physics, we also concerned with the economics of it as well. Yeah. In that there's, there's, a, there's an equation of efficiency. You know what I mean? And, you know, I know our welfare economics, butch talking about day, but yeah, anyway, we could deal with that. You understand? Um, but, Timothy, uh, in this context, in, in my understanding, I mean, what I find is unfair that is happening is that people are comparing the petrotrain and that level of efficiency to, like, let's say, a BP. If you compare it to a BP or a, or a Repsol and that kind of thing, then yes, you will start to make those sort of comparisons. But to me, um, forget welfare state or anything. At the end of the day, these uh, institutions, these state agencies are providing a function, uh, just as ArcelorMittal, just as um, Methanex, you know, all of these different entities in Point Lisa states. Wouldn't you say the, the government has a responsibility to keep these, 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 these organizations going and have them running as efficiently as possible in order to continue serving the country? Definitely, definitely. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm looking at some of the comments and, and, and it's... Yeah, Dred, that thing, I like... It, 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 it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, and it's nothing that I didn't expect. It's nothing I didn't expect yeah. because, um, let's be realistic, um, the government did a very good job um, of mm. working on the population to perpetuate its position as it relates to petrotrin. And mm. the reality is, if we're being straightforward and frank, Petrotrin yeah. was closed, and this is facts. This is what was mm. said by the government as yeah. a result of not being able to pay a bullet payment and the government taking the position not mm. of giving Petrotrin 850 million US dollars to make the bullet payment, right. but acting as a guarantor. And people, people mixing up mm -hmm. the two. Right. The reality is, the reality is, the government took four hundred million US dollars to pay okay. off workers to go up the road. This right. is this to mm -hmm. go up the road and still try to fight up to run an entity that is nowhere employing mm -hmm. the numbers that Petrotrin would have employed, impact the society, the community, and Trinidad and Tobago as a whole. Mm -hmm. All what is being perpetuated in the media, we cannot mm -hmm. get away from the fact what was the information that was shared by the government. And the fact is that the, the Petrotrin had an $850 million bullet payment to make. And at the time, the government did not want to act as a guarantor. And some of the things that are being said in the chat, that is being mm -hmm. messaged in the mm -hmm. chat, is the reason. Right. The reason is right. that they had issues with the trade union and the workers' salary, and, right. they, and, and, and they wanted to get rid of that. Now, right. let's go back. Let's, let's track back. Correct. The discussion initially was that we was restructuring Petrotrain. Petrotrain wasn't restructured. Mm. Petrotrain mm -hmm. was closed. And half of right. the bullet payment that was, was put <laughs> to close Petrotrain Mm. could have been used and it, it didn't have mm. any need to be used because the reality is that you were being asked to act as a guarantor not right. to pay the loan Petrotrain was operating and Navin could be Navin could support me my information is that in the last year of Petrotrain operation they turned a profit not so Navin 
To be honest, I didn't. Um, I haven't. I really didn't follow up on the, the like what the last financial statement would be. But I, I'll get the comments. And I think it, it was. It, it did. I I, I remember. Was. I remember reading. I remember reading that in the papers that time. Like Patricia has done a profit randomly, and I was like, and, and that was around the same time. I was saying the whole the whole saga about it looking the reunion and the going back and forth about you know closing and all that you know it was, it was very strange yeah but fellas we had to take that with a pinch of salt so what we like to say is i i see um i see rajiv comment and i take it petri didn't make a, didn't make a profit right uh, i'll just accept that for what it is but what i will say is this i know that the company would have prioritized paying its external debt before it paid certain things again Petron is a very, very dynamic, was a very dynamic entity. It had many, many pressures acting on it. It wasn't as simple as saying, hey, I just want to do this. We want to do it kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. It, it had pressure from the mm-hmm. government. You would have had pressure from the union. You'd have pressure from the people who work in there. You, you know, mm-hmm. and he made a statement about the refinery itself, right? Now, right. The, it, nobody split that, uh, that refinery. Because by virtue of being fully integrated, you do two things. One is you take yourself out of the capital gains business that an ENP company is. So let me mm-hmm. say, for example, right? Um, I don't want to talk out there about heritage, but let me say, for example, mm-hmm. we have a, a outright collapse in oil prices tomorrow. Outright right. collapse to the point Correct. where the oil selling for a price that below their cost of production. And we know that could happen. COVID show us it could happen, right? right? They get lucky right. that it was making, I shouldn't say lucky. They, they're selling small cargo. So they have time to do what they stop selling. They build up our inventory and wait for price appreciate again because COVID was one of them one-off sort of incidents, right? Mm-hmm. If we have a prolonged, mm-hmm. extremely long depression and oil prices drop back mm-hmm. to a point that below their cost of production, right? They effectively are mm-hmm. the mercy of the markets and they will go back into that right. red scenario. Now, what right. having a refinery in your mixes do is allow you to say, okay, I insulate myself a little bit away from this, this up and down pricing thing because I move from a model where I dependent entirely on the price in the market and I mean, to some extent, more inefficiencies, but on what the market does give me to a point mm-hmm. now where, okay, I'm working on margins. So technically, mm-hmm. I'm buying the oil, albeit from myself, but I'm producing it at a cost, I'm refining it at a cost, and I'm selling these later products at a cost as well. So, you know, right. the difference there is kind of how you will make your profit. Um, in theory, I've, I've heard many different sides of this, and I don't know what the truth is, to be honest, that mm-hmm. ENP on its own was profitable in its own just standing there by itself. And if they right. were to sell the oil outside, potentially make a profit, that's what they're saying now. But none right. of us here know exactly what the taxation scheme for, for heritage. We don't know um, you know, what the actual operating cost is. We don't know what kind of holidays they may have. And we have no idea what the debt mm-hmm. loading is. And also, if that debt loading could have been refinanced to something that was much more acceptable to the company overall. Um, we could have yeah, split and, it and I, see. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, mean I, 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 yeah, go ahead, Cotter. Now you go ahead, you go ahead. Yeah, if, well, you see what, what, what we're saying, and, and, and Timothy, um, we wanted to come back in here because my understanding of the history is that, listen, this, this, this institution functioning for over 100 years. And that what Petrotrin would have done in 1993 is that you would have had an amalgamation of a series of companies where you would have the unions from those different companies that would have come together. And you had this now larger entity that was Petrotrin, where there's a certain need that has to be satisfied. The push from the government and the government always like to come with, and, and of course, this is not, as you even say, politics. This is not politics. No matter who was in government, would have to still take a decision, Right. 
And at the end of the day, you, you have to be able to look at it from a perspective of will the government guarantee it or not? And later on, we go in and come to start to look at the credit ratings of different state agencies, and you will see how positive Petrotrin, how positive a position Petrotrin actually was in in order to raise that financing. What is the difference between the structure Petrotrin is in now, Timothy, compared to the Petrotrin before? Because they, they, they keep making it look as if, you know, they close on Petrotrin is a completely new Petrotrin. But I, to me, it looks like it was just an excuse to, to, to let go of these 2,600 people um, in order to try and jimmy the numbers to make it look like they're profitable now. But when I look at the, at the financial statements, it looking similar to what it was before. It's just that the, the, the assets and operate and maintenance just assigned to one company alone, which is who running the refinery. Definitely. And what you have done there is answer the question there. You have answered the mm. question. Um, yeah. The Petrochin, there's no doubt that Petrochin needed a restructuring, not closure. Correct. He had a restructuring. Right. The past that wasn't working, they needed to fix it and come again. Mm. Instead, mm. what they did, and, and, and let's be straightforward and frank, they wanted to get rid of OWTU. They felt OWTU was too much of a force. They mm. wanted to be in a position where they could give their friends and their family contractors. Let me be straightforward mm. and frank. Contractors, <laughs> contracts to oversee manpower contracts. Like, as is happening now in Heritage, pay them mm. the same amount. Because let me put something in perspective. We did a mm. survey. When, mm. For instance, and I've given you a ballpark figure, a worker, if a worker compensation package was $175 under Petrotrain with the trade union there, what mm. they're doing now, they're paying the contractor $175 still and paying the worker $70. So, so what's really? the difference? What is the difference well, to the well, research? Well, well, well let, me, research. Let, let me ask that. Is, 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 it as, is it as simple as they just um, remove... The state employees are now just given contracts to basically do the same thing, but not what at a higher have, price. Nothing. What we have if we had a if we had a thousand workers now, mm. we operate them with four hundred workers. They're working longer hours for less money. But then, but then let me, but then let me no, ask this. Mm, but then let me ask this, Timothy. No, no benefits, mm. right? But then let me ask this, Timothy. People always say, once you're working Petrotrain, you're getting best pay. Is it that Petrotrain, compared to other oil and gas companies, was really one of the best paid? Navin. And, and, and the reality is that that is not so. But that right. was what was peddled to the public. The, what they did was they gave a comparison of somebody in the oil and gas industry, somebody working in Petrotrain, and, mm. and, and compare them to a public servant, and you cannot do that. You can't do that. So an, a normal public servant, somebody who's making three thousand five hundred, making four thousand dollars, watching an engineer salary and saying, "Hey, exactly what you're seeing in this chat as comments is exactly what they perpetuated to the to the public, and it work, it work, yeah. and we're so not waking up and seeing that the bartering system was damaged. We mm. see the effects of the closure of Petrotrain right now, and we are mm. seeing it. When you had that huge spread." As it relates to nearly 7,000 workers employed in an entity and they coming out, whether it is weekly, fortnightly, monthly, and they're spending, they're reinvesting mm. into the economy. And then on top of that, there's a misconception that Petrochon wasn't paying. Petrochon paid 
over $21 billion from 2014 to 2017 to this country. That, is not, that has never been discussed. Mm. But the narrative, because who holds the mic? Who is in charge of the key media entities? Who has power to control what is, what is the narrative in these, in these industries? Who? That is a question mm. we must ask ourselves. And that's now, what was done. A job was so, done on us. So to answer now, your question, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Um, the numbers that they put out was mm. absolute rubbish. It was, you know, they, they went mm. and the most politicized numbers there were right. basically doing simple division of, you know, I have mm. X amount of employees, must not my salary bill, and get us clear. It have salaries and it have benefits. Mm. It have a difference, right? My entire okay. compensation bill or whatever they wanted to, that salaries, wages, benefits, all those things together woke up to a certain amount by doing a simple division, right? That's not the case. Mm. You have a range of employees. You have some people, you know, you have a range, right? This organization. You have a whole set of people doing right. different things. I don't think that people in Petrician were earning like a huge amount more than anybody mm. else. I know for a fact in my position that mm. people had, in technical roles probably weren't earning, was not earning as much as they could have earned on the outside. Right. Um, you may have had some degree of a benefits package to help, but again, people need to understand the same thing I keep talking about. Everybody is going to talk profit and loss numbers and, and not necessarily think mm. about the implications overall, right? Petrin closed with mm. roughly 5,000 people. It had about 10,000 mm. people dependent on it directly. And I'm talking contractors, and I'm talking the community. I'm talking about people who retired, people who mm. had children who was using the medical people mm -hmm. wife and or husband as the case may be dependent was using on union medical so when they think about all those things right they they, they put out numbers there anything patrician mm -hmm. was spending on in that sense any dependent yeah. would have been using medical benefits or insurance benefits or that kind of thing that moved to the state mm -hmm. and it moved to the state from an entity that not producing so basically mm -hmm. it have a chance maybe patrician was running to a net loss but it had expenses that were being paid first right and we're still not clear where the annual loss was existing in that company. Nobody ever do a real mm. deep economic analysis to understand that. What if it, you know, mm. that the loss that that company was experiencing was the gasoline subsidy? Then what? The population right. unhappy about it? You know, right. do we, how, how you want to assimilate that? Because every ex, not every expense, but a lot of the expenses that the company would have incurred for what we want to call welfare or for, for helping for employees or whatever it is, right? It now sits mm -hmm. with the, it now sits with the, um, with the national healthcare system. Can the national healthcare right. system deal with it? Think about people who, let me say, somebody 70 years, right? They start working petition mm -hmm. in the late 70s, early 80s, in a time when mm -hmm. HSE wasn't where it is now. So mankind would mm -hmm. have been walking around without hard hat, without PPE, maybe taking in smells in a time when we weren't, we, we, we were not thinking about safety, we just think about it now. Maybe right. they pick up something over time. They now don't have no recourse, you know. If you work petrician all your life and you retire, yeah. which insurance yeah. company going to give you insurance for a terminal disease? That's not right. going to happen. You are entirely yeah. dependent on the national healthcare system, which itself right. overloaded and have right. now, and do have the resources. Now, if you're not, now no, if you're not, not jump in and, and add something to what you're saying there, and, and, and you touched mm. on it. The mm. issue of Petrotrin, the real issue began in 2007 with the WGTL project. Eh? Let's be straightforward and frank. Eh? Well, let me do that. $400 million. 
US mm -hmm. dollars was wasted on that project. And the bullet mm -hmm. payment we're talking about was arise out of that project. So Petrochem right. was close as a consequence. A poor management decision. Obviously, they love mm -hmm. to make the trade union and the workers <laughs> the scapegoat. Poor management decision to do that WGTL project, which cost taxpayers 400 million US dollars. And was as a, as a result ended up with us not being able as a government to guarantee the $850 million bullet payment that was supposed to be paid, which is the re reason they stated that Petrotrain was closed. People don't talk about this. And, and to add insult to injury, $35 million US dollars, that 400 and that 400 million US dollar investment was sold for $35 million US dollars. To some random person, what we know as Nikwan, well, it, it, it went to Nikwan. Let, 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 let me be real. It went to, it went to Nikwan. Nikwan came and bought it after, right? For you know what I mean? million US dollars. Thirty-five million dollars and and profitable. But we will get to Nikwan just now. We will get to Nikwan just now. So let me deal with these two projects, fellas. Let me deal with these two projects. Okay. This one. So, I'll, 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 yeah, right. So I'm gonna need to um to disagree with with Timo, but it's just I mean it is because it's mm. easily confusable, confused, easily confused projects. The bullet payment really mm. was for the ULSD plant. The GTL plant was actually something okay. separate. Um, right. The ULSD plant, while I wasn't involved, so I can't talk directly about what happened. Mm. But I'll say from mm. being on the outside, it had a point there where the, that was actually, to be completely honest, a very, one of the few very well-run projects we had at the beginning. It, it went right. well for this, a good this while. Samsung. This was a Samsung project, yeah. It went right. well, it accelerated pretty well at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. And then... Within a, it, it, it started to fall off the rails later on, like towards the, the middle of the project. Um, the thing to remember mm -hmm. with project financing, right, is that, yeah, um, is that, okay, when you borrow money for a project, you expect to complete the work in a certain amount of time. Um, I mean, you're going to notice yeah. this, right? In, in two, three mm -hmm. years' time, you expect for design, engineering, construction, and commissioning to be done, and you off to the races from there. Um, right. We had, it had reached a point with Yeah. What I want to say to you, though, if I have to make a bullet payment of $850 million and I lose $400 million on another project indirectly, that right. money gone. We, we build into the same point, though, which is across the, the, the next remaining 10, 15 years of your loan, you're supposed to be making money to make your payments, right? Now, to be completely right. honest, when you think about the history of this country, $850 million US we're going to get at like like this, right? It it would have probably be a, a badly designed loan to begin with. I, I mean, it's a oil company, mm. it's a state-run oil company. You're custom running, uh, uh, not necessarily highest profits in the world, but making something, right? In that mm. case, your aim should be really and truly to, to, to mortgage out your debt as long as you could and keep your cash flow going. I mean, the company right. closed because it ran out of cash, right? Ultimately, that's what happened. And as as the most city government ref refused to, to guarantee loans to keep it going in, in the entity that it was. So Right. But 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 let me let, let, no. let me deal with that a little bit though, Navin. Uh just just to bring because there are many dimensions to this discussion, eh, fellas. And let me deal with the one with the government guarantee because I would have been <laughs> right, because I, I was given I, I dealt with that where, where we successfully dealt with um a public-private partnership, uh, but in the housing sector, right? And that issue of guarantee and government guarantee came up. Let me give, let me give a little background. T and Tech, so TGU is actually on, uh, went out with a bond as well. Um, let me see. 
TG use bond. Um, I forget the size of the bond, but it's over a billion, right? And what Moody's ended up saying is that because they indirectly affiliated with TM Tech, TM Tech is something they, they, they will amount to, it, it will amount to essentially being a government guarantee. Now, the problem is that uh, over the past eight years or so, there has been a resistance to move towards any more government guaranteeing of debt. But when you look at the state entities across the board, Petrotrain, TNTEC, WASA, TSTT, when you look at the other state entities, by the government's involvement with the organization, indirectly, you, you essentially had um, these credit agencies looking at them as well, these kind of indirectly government guarantees. So by them saying, Timo, and I'll come to you on this one, by them saying that they don't want a government guarantee, Honestly, fellas, I'm not of the opinion that Petrotrin really closed enough. The refinery is closed, but it was the, the restructured into three different companies, and Heritage now is the company that holding this debt. How are you sure that that guarantee didn't still happen but in another form? Because when it is you have a company like Samsung coming in to do a project, 700 and... Listen, let me get the actual number. Interesting. Um, 791 million. Right? 850 million. No organization, no international organization of that size will go into an unsecured loan like that, right? For any EMP project. It will have to have some sort of backstop. You understand? So that 850 million payment would have, at some point in time, these people would have said, listen, we will put up the money, we will build the ultra low sulfur diesel plant. Um, but all you had to pay, we back with this bullet point, this bullet payment. If all you pay, it will have some sort of backstop where they could go for that for, for that money for, right? In a situation like that, the government just can't say, hey, we're closing Petrotrain and we don't have that liability anymore. That liability will still be there, you understand? So the term of not doing a government guarantee, to me, is a, it was a big marketing thing that happened and, and they come under different names but those liabilities are still there and what they attempt to do well let me deal with this ultra low uh, ultra low before we go to world gtl and nico and Ante. timo why are you saying more that no well i i i share the same um point of view of navin and i i navin navin mm -hmm. hit the head as it relates to that and, um yeah but i uh, hear what you're saying and uh, i i I kind of want to agree with what you're saying, right. but a little indecisive. A little, a little That's indecisive. Um, who, who owns heritage? The government. The government owns heritage? Mm -hmm. By our board. The, yeah. board is, the board is appointed by, the, by, by government. You sure about that? Keep the letter was the citizens are trying to do heritage. Mm. And the board appointed by the government exactly. to do corporate governance. And exactly. everybody feeling that role. Exactly. And and what we have experienced over the years, whether it's the WGTL, whether it's what's going on now, whether it's what's going on over 10 years down the road, is that we have over and over put the wrong people to run, oh, I, I want to call it life support. Petrotrain was a life support. When you look at how, how, how the overarching responsibility Petrotrain had, when we have a cricket team and they're doing well, Petrotrain is the sponsor. 
football team. So sports, culture, mm. everything we did in this country, Petrotrin mm. played a role in it. And people, people, and, and somebody was making, I think it's Navin was making a point that Petrotrin should have never been looked at from the point of view of only loss and profit. Cannot mm. the role mm. that Petrotrin mm. played in terms of supporting society, the population, mm -hmm. and the government. Mm -hmm. The mere fact that the taxes, the mere fact that what NIS, NIS, NIS lost $360 million from the closure, closure mm -hmm. pet, um, petrochemical from 2018 to now. And the discussion mm -hmm. right now is people getting old too fast. That's the discussion we have now. Would we have been having a discussion if we had $360 million circulating in NIS right now? Would we have having mm -hmm. a discussion? Mm -hmm. And these are the things, it, 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 it cannot be looked at, looked at in isolation because yes. there is a trickle effect. Other things are connected. Mm -hmm. Just like Petrotrain, the operation of Petrotrain would have supported, Tiantec would have got a revenue from, from the operation of Petrotrain. Fully. Mm -hmm. Wasa. All those things would have been reduced now. When you, when you cut up Petrotrain the way you cut up Petrotrain, and running Petrotrain in the way, running Petrotrain. So what happened is that Petrotrain was looked at in isolation, and the reality is that that was wrong to look at Petrotrain in isolation. When you consider mm -hmm. all the good that Petrotrain has done and would have done and how it would have impacted our economy over the years, yes, restructuring mm -hmm. was required, but what they did, no way. No way. Where are the numbers in terms of employment? Where are them? Where, where, where has it gone? Now, I is the only man in the room right now. Well, Torian is here, people. I know people saying, where Torian? Where Torian? Bring back Linton. Linton is here, right? <laughs> but he's in the shadows. He's been shadow banned. As you can see, he's been shadow banned. Shadows. Shadows. I wish I had $850 in my pocket right now. <laughs> no, I am the only person. Now I have Torian here as well. Well, I have no background in industry. I have no background in engineering. But I do live in Gasparillo, so I see the fire every night when it used to be blazing in the sky. Um, used to see the fire. Used to see the, well, I say used to see the fire, right? It hurt. It hurt me when I know I would not see the fire again because the fire become part of my life, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I come from a, from, a, from a community where the culture of the entity is tied so... It's so, it's so intrinsically tied to the history, right. all right? And That's to right. places in South where people, you know, where we, our grandparents and so on learn certain skills, not even to say oil skills alone, but because of what was going on in the estate of Concord and so on, right? And mm -hmm. what, what happened over time and, you know, you hear what Texaco and Trintock and all of this kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, being outside, you know, when I heard that Petrogen was being closed, I just like, you know, I hold my head, you know? And mm -hmm. I just was like, I went on a rant on Facebook and so on because it's like, why is it, right? And whoever wants to jump on it, and I mean, it's what we're talking about for the, for the past hour almost, but again, why is it that something so intrinsic, right? And as people are saying, it's supposed to make a profit because at the end of the day, it is there to do a function and so on. It is supposed to, it is supposed to be, you know, feasible to run. Why is it that things always have to reach this point? 
with the management of, of these kind of industries and so on in Trinidad? Why is it that there could not have been a restructuring and yeah, people will still be laid off, but you won't have this mass exodus of workers in the mm. sense that it was that they had that they just stopped the company, right? Why is it that um that it has to come to this point? What role did the union have to okay? Let me let me get into this, right? Timothy, does the is there anything the union could have done differently, you think, over the history of Petrotrin that could have led to something better for the company? Did they in any way keep back the company or anything like that? And I'm not saying that, well, you know. Well, that that that, that 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 all based on opinion. I think that at right. the end of the day, um, if you look especially at the arguments that were, were put forward by the union, some of the investments that the flopped investments the union have on record where they have on more than one occasion would have said, hey, that is not a good move because the union would have basically be on the ground. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would not have been handpicked people running a company, but people who are on the ground and know what's going on. I, I am aware as, as well of instances where the union would have said, hey, we're going on. Let we, let, let's take the money and invest it in what Navin was talking about, the infrastructure. <laughs> The reality is that it is easy, and that has always been the mantra of governments, to blame workers and to blame unions. That's the easiest thing to do. But the reality is that when a government is put in a position of governance, their responsibility is to put people in place, which is the board, to run these entities, so corporate soul, which was Petrotrin, and run it efficiently. So when Petrotrin flops, how could it be then that it's the union? What what did the board of Petrotrin do to ensure that Petrotrin over the period of time, whether it's over a decade or two decades, did not end up in a situation that it ended up in? And that is the question that must be had. The reality is mm -hmm. that over and over, and I don't want to play the political game, the governments mm -hmm. of this country, whether it's PNM, UNC, whoever. They have That's failed it. as it relates to putting the right people to govern and to manage our business. That's the reality, mm -hmm. you know. The board mm -hmm. is put in a position to make strategic decisions and decisions that would benefit the, 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 the company, medium, short, short, medium, and long term. The reality is that if that had happened, Petrotrin wouldn't be close today. Was Petrochin Petr 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 in a position given the union's um, efforts, right? And the pushback from the union. Were they ever in a, in a, in, in a position to say that they could lay off people in a, in, in a way that would be feasible, seeing that people would have so, said that? Me, yeah, Navin. Well, let me jump in a little bit. Um, two things. One, I, I mostly agree with, with Timothy, but if we... We we now train to think that this whole union and, and management are becoming a zero zero sum game, right? Mm -hmm. I will go so far as uh, to dive a little bit and say there's a legacy uh, uh, our colonial past, but it's a whole different discussion for next time. The the, mm -hmm. the short answer in my mind though is that okay, as an employee in the middle of it, of let me say we had a union mm -hmm. on this side and management of the company on this side. If you are if you assume that the union was getting out of hand argument's sake, right? If that is what was going on, they could have only do that if management was weaker. 
and and vice versa right mm. so mm. you have that that going on in the middle there i was a union mm. member 90% of that in my mind was it was an insurance policy in case something go wrong for me you know mm. i am um, somebody to like me something happened like in a charge right and when you're thinking about it from from like that way right uh, thinking about it from from like that perspective of you need the employee in the middle you have this battle that seems external to you eh? honestly sometimes it seems external to you but you just yes there right you have some people who blindly mm-hmm. believe both sides of it and that to me that relation nabina like if you want to say what was the failure petrotron is all parties feeling the responsibility that that's my, my right. opinion everybody everybody right. I, I will even say me too right it had times i probably mm-hmm. could have been a better employee it have some mm-hmm. people in the chat might disagree for themselves but we all know it right mm-hmm. yeah it, it, the management feel in terms of maybe how they choose to spend money where they choose to put the priorities what they choose to be important issues as opposed to what wasn't because then, the, then you have the then, yeah. you have the, the then you have the typical thing too. I mean, is a reality as you know. It mightn't be fact. You might 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 might, might, might seem small now, but you know everybody knows a linker. Mm. What kind of thing there inside there too? You know what I mean? Mm. And that that in itself, you know, that all all of that plays into the public perception of the company as well. You know right. what I well, mean? As much as, as, much as that might be. A, a, maybe a big big factor to to the numbers. It still shows you, you know, where. Where our, as you say, we could go into a whole discussion of post-colonial mentality and all of that, right? But this is what happens at every state-run enterprise. You know what I mean? It's always, and every state-run enterprise seems to be doomed to failure. You know what I mean? I don't know. So, I, 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 but, but, I think, I think all you need to also be fair uh, to yourselves, fair to the companies, uh, when you define failure, and I notice a lot of comments in uh, that coming up talking about profit and they turn profit, so therefore they fail. And this, listen, you need to be careful how you just jump at something and say, "Well, hey, you're not profitable for this period, therefore you're, you're, you're you know, it's it's for a specific period you're talking about." Because when it is oil price had dropped to below what a KFC bucket was, you could have, you could have buy a KFC bucket, you know. For more than uh, oil price, no company was profitable for that period. You understand? So it's a matter of putting in perspective how you define failure. And I want to make a point here before I come to because you know, Kota, you talk about the, the, the fire in the um in, in the refinery in Gasparillo. But I hear it had a fire recently. I hear it had an explosion. An explosion and, and it wake me up. It wake yeah, me up. And like, wanna explode something down there. I thought okay. I thought something right. fell on my roof. So people had to watch how that mafia does run to it, that basically in the midst of all of this, Nikon get away with a world GTL project, which is a massive asset, and was able to purchase that for just $35 million. That is the capital expenditure they had to put. And they are running as a shell company to, to produce paraffin and a series of uh, downstream products. And they are saying, well, they're profitable. Well, if you get the assets for $35 million, you must be profitable. You understand what I'm saying? Because you had almost little or nothing to put in order to get it, to, 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 to get the plan going. But I also want to, to put in perspective how we look at profitability. And I want to bring back the same four state entities. Petrotrin, TMTech, Wasa, and TSTT. All right? Because it's a state organization. You can't take a state organization like Petrotrin 
say, well, you don't have financials of BP, so therefore you fail, right? You need to compare it like with like as well, you understand? So if you look at other state agencies, look at the credit ratings, and credit ratings is something where Moody's standards and Paul's, all of these people would have taken all of what we're discussing here into account to define whether the, com the company is failing or not. Failing meaning do you have a stable outlook? Is it that you plan to um, to recover? How you plan to recover? Because your, your situation would have looked, even when they signed that deal with the with the ultra low sulfur diesel plant, Petrotrain's financial numbers would have been looking horrible at that point in time. But is the future revenue that they were due to gain at a certain point in time that would have then stabilized that? Which and the standard and post people took that into account in September 2018. Right, I'm bringing facts because I've seen a lot of people talking things inside of there and, and it's not facts. Let me bring the facts. Petrotrin was class, got a B1 rating, right? B1 rating is with a stable outlook. You understand what I'm saying? T and Tech got a triple B minus in July 2020, right? The government's outlook, right? The government who everybody running down to get government guarantees for and whatnot, get a BA1 stable which is just above that B1. You understand what I'm saying? Since Petrotrin restructured, right, and they end up putting the, the, the asset. You see, they're smart in how they do it, you know, fellas. They put the asset in this one company. What's the name of the company? Um, um, Navin, the, the one that has the refinery. No, that's Guaracar Refining. Guaracar Refining. Right. What they did is they isolated that. So by isolating that now, um, the, the the credit rating for Petro, for, for, because you're just calling it on a different name. So the name, so Heritage now has a credit rating of BA3, which is much stronger than the B1. So they were able to raise financing and restructure this now in order to refinance uh, whatever outstanding payments they had and that kind of thing. But let me ask you this, if the oil price dropped to $1 tomorrow, you, think, you don't think they will drop back into that loss position immediately? Let me be sensible with how we are approaching this thing. TM Tech signed a, a, public, a power purchase agreement with TGU. TGU's bond was oversubscribed. It was, and everybody rushed TGU because TM Tech signing this PPA with them gave them an indirect government guarantee. I ain't telling all of this. All you could go on standard as pause and Moody's and read the same thing. So why is the government giving these indirect government guarantees to these organizations to raise this massive amount of money? And they did it through NIF. Remember NIF? So National Investment Fund Holding Company that stores all of the government assets. I'm telling all of you because we tried, we, there was many attempts to do that with, and that's what all state agencies do. State agencies, when they get in this financial trouble, a lot of the financing agencies like Republic Bank, Ansa Merchant Bank, all of them just line up because they just look at the risk and be like, we want to get first, first cut in that. And you would notice that Credit Suisse uh, would have financed a lot of Petrotrin stuff in the earlys and they would have attempted to come into the mix again now. But you have to look at that credit rating to get an understanding as to how stable they are. You know TSTT get a B2 rating? stable outlook. You understand what I'm saying? And they were able to go on a roadshow and raise US $400 million based on a debenture that due in 2029. So when that bullet payment due in 2029, you don't think their financing numbers going to look a lot worse? You understand? 
So understand, people, that this is a very complex financial scenario, and you don't want to get lost in the maze of financiers positioning themselves in order to make money from a situation. Because if you, if, if, let me give you a background, another state entity has close to $15 billion worth of assets. It's nothing more complicated than a mortgage, you know. When you're looking to go and get these bonds and debentures and that kind of thing, and at the end of the day, when you have these organizations with massive assets base like asset bases like that, that is attractive for 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 um uh for, for financing institutions. So at the end of the day, what it is is that they position themselves to get the best deal possible. And for people to say that Petrotrin was in a in a horrible situation, the credit ratings didn't show up. That is what I would say. Yeah. Even country report didn't know. reflect that either. That's right. That's right. Ah, I see the so chat there quite no, come. Let me do that. <laughs> so I, I will raise this point a little bit a little bit earlier. And we have we have gen like I shouldn't say generic, but we have these these supposed high level numbers that were petrol. All we have is our final number and it read and that was it. But hmm. we didn't I don't think the government, I'm speaking of maybe out the team, but I don't think the government or the, the powers that be may have gone to the depth of understanding exactly where this was coming from, right? You have a you have a net loss that they report, and you finally had a change, right? No, but Navin, but, Navin here, here's where here's where I'll disagree with you there. Right after they talk about that petrotrin closing and that kind of thing, NIF would have cropped up. You right, understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, yeah. They, and they did this this magic bond arrangement with TGU. They did it with several other things, and the bonds were oversubscribed. So to me, what it is is they refuse a government guarantee on one end because they had plans to set up something else elsewhere. Fair you enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So if we we go down that road, I. I do understand as well what would have been the motivation for just shutting down the refinery and shutting it down the way they did. And, and I could because, tell you there was none. Yeah, because I could I could say unequivocally, and it, I know it have nobody could challenge me in this chat on this. There is a configuration mm -hmm. that profitable. No matter what we saw outside there, Correct. there is a configuration exactly. that refinery that profitable, and it, it is not necessarily just what you see on the surface. It it might take shutting down certain portions for a while until you come back into mm -hmm. a level of profitability that would allow for it to happen. Correct. It might take being a little bit more dynamic about the markets and understanding where Correct. you're selling and how you're selling as opposed to just these bland top-level numbers. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it have a configuration that's profitable. And Correct. by going out and impaying the, the way the asset looks to the public, I mean, you think about it. For all the, the discussion was started at... This thing is an absolute waste. I don't even know right. why we still have this thing. Get rid of it. Because mm -hmm. you had a political agenda to fulfill with closing right. it down and getting the employees out, right? Three mm -hmm. months later, three people come back and say, yeah, we could think about it. One of which is the OWTU. Right. So, I mean, come on. Think about it objectively. You make that asset look so mm -hmm. bad to international investors. If that's mm -hmm. what it was truly seeking, mm -hmm. as a lot of people seem to say that, okay, somebody private could run it better and do it or you know, or, or something along those lines, right? We make the asset mm -hmm. look so impaired that we yeah. put ourselves out of the market and make no mistake about it, eh, is iron and steel. And the longer it sits there, the harder yeah. it's going to be to restart to the, the point exactly. where it may never restart again. That's right. And, and, and I want to I touch on something here even more. Um, and, and probably, Timothy, you could come in here. 
Let me say, because people taking out of the equation that natural gas production has been dropping over the past eight to ten years. Oil price has been dropping worldwide over the past eight to ten years. So, you know, to expect Petrotrend to be this one magic unicorn to be able to withstand against that, <laughs> to me, is, is not realistic. However, if oil price was to jump to $200 a barrel tomorrow, Timothy, for the next two years, talk to Medi. What's the difference? What was the situation? If it, if it jumped to $200 a barrel, we are no refinery. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and that and, is. And we don't even have to go that final, bro. We could just yeah. look at the situation up the road, right, by Guyana. The easiest thing, uh, we know it about relationship problem as well, but the ease, mm. one of the easiest thing would have been for us to be refining those fangs down the road, no? No, but no, but hold on, let me get a piece of the mafia here, Timothy. Let me get a piece of the mafia. What if I was to tell you <laughs> one of the tranches of debts that Petrotrain had to finance over the past 15 years, that same financier over the past five years? actually just building a U.S. hotel in Guyana and has plans to get a refinery going on. Well, what would you say if I tell you that? Dino facts, I just gave Mafia talk. And that, just kidding. That <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. You understand what I'm saying? I know. You understand what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, what you notice, Timothy, is now because we take this drastic position with Petrotrib, we lost our competitive advantage in the Caribbean, eh? you understand? And Guyana now has an opportunity because it's real money flowing in Guyana. Eh? And Guyana now has an opportunity to now create a refining industry. We don't know if they actually will be will do that, but they're definitely in a, in a position now where 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 we where the race before was we would have been like Bolt ahead of the ahead of the curve. Right now, we're starting at the same line with them. You understand what I'm saying? Talk now. You understand? Oh, I mean, more so, we could have been working together with them. Eh? We could have been refining. Sure. We could have been less compatible. Yeah, we could have been working well, with them. Let's see man, whenever he's talking about the other Caribbean nations, I think he's getting to this kind of football kind of... Yeah, no, no, yeah. There's always a kind of... There's always a kind of... Cut of like, there's, licks, there's licks on his chest or some kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, I, think, yeah, I think I think something that as the normal layman should take into consideration, right? All all subsidies gone, all the same petrotrain mm -hmm. that was this quote unquote running at a loss would have been mm -hmm. absorbing them subsidies for years mm -hmm. to the comfort of the normal man on the ground. Now we have no mm -hmm. subsidies, and have we seen any huge profit margin and the subsidies removed? No, but Timothy, but hear this, Wasa still getting the subsidy, triple subsidy from Tiantech. Tiantech still getting the subsidy because the natural gas that's selling from NGC to Tiantech and Wasa uh, to run all Wasa water treatment plants and whatnot is at a subsidy. Um, the, the production Wasa that we actually owes NGC 1.5 and, 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 and I will never... Yeah, I'm sorry. 
That's and, and why I say it is that if you could find a way to try and restructure these companies because they're state organization, people can Timothy, people can't tell me about Petro Trinidad. I grew on bread and point enough. You understand? <laughs> point is listen, it's 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 Trinidad. You understand? Yeah, what yeah, you yeah, yeah. with all big steel tank and pipe that day? The, this existed for a hundred years. You telling me you just go in and come and up some figure that no and I'm telling you sad about had, it. That had, and I'm telling all of here, that had very little to do with any one individual, a certain ma financing mafia running in the background that called the shot. And whoever was yeah. in government, that shot would have called. You understand? Know, but what I'm saying is that as people, we're more educated than that. We can't be taking that just so. And I, I want to agree I mean, with you. I want to agree with you totally, brother. And I want to, I want to mm -hmm. continue and say at this point, we, the ordinary man, I's an ordinary man, you's an ordinary man, these are financiers. The ordinary man on the ground need to pay attention and recognize that what we once call essential industries are one by one disappear. They, they go in, yeah. and what we consider, I just call it life support. That is a life support of your government. The Wassas, the TNTX, Petrotrin, even the steel industry. These mm -hmm. things are being taken and put in the private hands of who? That's the objective of the report. That's right. The mm -hmm. hands of who? So mm -hmm. I see, um, Katel, we had the, the question coming forward now. Where's, where's next for China and Tobago, right? Yeah. And to be completely honest, we don't know. And and it's not a petrician yeah. question it's alone, right? We really petrician now. We go into to what, how China is run. And I think maybe in the future it'd be good to have an economist on to, to really mm -hmm. discuss how this country is run because we have one perception mm -hmm. of what it is and then what it truly is is different, right? Yeah, but them like Only... to talk conservative as well, eh? and they like to stop everything they do. So if they're coming, let it come with a nice shot. We know this country is financed by the oil and gas sector. We know that is that is what it is. That's that's where it's come from. That's where our money has come from. Mm -hmm. Right now, mm -hmm. we see in a reduction in in where it coming, and mm -hmm. and how much then, and we have no alternatives that seem to be coming up. So I see a, a, a example of renewable energy here. Right, remember we are island states. Unless we have something to export, sorry, we are island state tied to the US dollar. Unless we have something to export and gain that foreign exchange, it's not going to help because we're not making anything here. Our manufacturing reach a point that almost non-existent. It, you know, maybe have two or three true manufacturers in Trinidad again. We have some. We have the food processing people too, right? But mm -hmm. more than mm -hmm. anything else, our economy financed by energy, and that's why we just see these, you know, these huge crashes socially when oil price or, or gas price drop. We're looking at an environment where oil and gas are going to be reducing with time, right? Gas price. I mean, chill gas pretty. Shale gas pretty much destroy LNG prices in this particular region. But make no mistake mm -hmm. about it, eh? that gas that produced from BP and Shell and going through Atlantic is what does keep this country. So Petrotrin to some extent was there to provide cash flow and to provide a, a softer landing for when things happen in terms of, you know, the same thing we ask, we're going to go to our floating gasoline price now. Our, our salaries don't float with gasoline prices. Eh? Granted, we had a subsidized price, and 
fear on fear and whatever market efficiencies or economic inefficiencies that costed is a different discussion. Well, it's part of the discussion, but it's something we'll need to discuss in more depth, right? But mm-hmm. a fixed gasoline price does also cause you to sometimes pay a premium, sometimes you pay below. In my case, I pay in a premium forever because I, I have to use premium gasoline in my car. So I, I well mm-hmm. above the, gas, the, the floating gasoline price right now, and I pay in that for mm-hmm. years compared to someone else who may be using diesel and would have been below. So the, when this starts to move now, and again, we buy in and sell it, which close in the refinery, we move away from our manufacturing economy again, right? So mm-hmm. we become traders as opposed to manufacturers. And what are going to mean for mm-hmm. us again is that we will be at the mercy of prices. So we keep talking about if oil price fall mm-hmm. and heritage becomes, you know, cash negative or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What if I go the other way and oil prices start to climb? And we start to see fuel prices that start to run away because again we're important and we don't we're not important a volume that you know is enough for us to influence how much we get to be paid for. I mean we will buy lagos, but I don't think we I don't think we buy into a volume that could say, yeah, well, we're going to dictate a price to somebody who's selling it to us. So we, yeah. we put on we put in ourselves piece by piece into a state where we're not going to be able to afford our own lifestyles if you know if things get truly bad and I, I, from my perspective i don't feel like we're seeing where the the innovation could come from now for for where we have other things to export where we have another you know some some sort of a, a financial enterprise or entity that will help us to get out of this and and a lot of people is mistake the service industry in Trinidad and think that okay the the service industry is something that making money now you just calculate GDP based on how much money people spend to get things right that's all well and good but unless we export to them services or unless we start making things on our own we're going to be in a bad position in 20-25 years I see that I see that state when that oil and gas is not no we could deal with that we could deal with that yeah what pull up what? Pull up. so we have so we have we have well let me just wait hold up hold up let me just deal with us on the arm thing here right um at the bottom of the screen at the bottom of the screen at the bottom of the screen we have a question from Andrew Gobadan it says what was the barriers to the restructuring and I think overall what we are asking over and over why 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 and i think we really have to turn our eye on everyone as navin would say everybody has a a part to play and really and truly it has to do a lot with culture but somebody else take it away from me i mean let let me let me take this one it have is our one with answer andrea and it's trust employees didn't trust management and by virtue of that they would have lean towards a union and for good or bad we didn't get into the discussion on what a union there for right but mm-hmm. we will not the next time yeah yeah we need to have a probably a longer discussion there but the, the profound lack of trust in okay if they make these cuts is because they really think about the entity right we just describe something that we're thinking about as endemic corruption we want we will describe it as that right if you work in there and they tell you well boy you gotta take a cut salary or we're going to have to lego a quarter of the workforce, some of which could be your family, it could be a spouse, it could be your own child, or it could be a parent. You know, things that is, it was a company like that that had a lot of people who knew each other. And say, yeah, but we're legoing these people for profitability. 
But then you, you see they making the same exact bad decisions. Why would you agree to it? I mean, it, it might sound real superficial, but if you're there and you're sitting at that point in time and you're thinking about, well, yeah, boy, I got to make a sacrifice or a big sacrifice. Let me say something large. And, but you don't trust that they're going to do the right thing with the money. And, and this going back to basically what we were talking about, they're saying, okay, you're supposed to, it's supposed to make money, right? Supposed to be profitable. We don't have a history in this country of the government using money responsibly, you know? Governments in general, it doesn't matter who right. in power. I mean, right. yet, yet, let me put this plug here one time. Yet, Trinidad is one of the, is the most profitable island in the Caribbean. Our debt to GDP ratio is 65%, whereas almost every island across the Caribbean is Let's see, love that. That's that. That's that. That's that. That's that. They not address what the purpose of unions. So let me touch on that very quickly. Simple right, one word: to, re to regulate, <laughs> to regulate, mm -hmm. to regulate. People take for granted that things like pension plans, medical plans, over time, premium time, maternity leave, paternity leave, vacation, sick leave, the eight-hour work week, the forty-hour work week, the OSH Act that governs the safety on work. The Treatment mm. Severance Benefit Act, Maternity Benefit Act, and I could go on and on and on. What's just given to workers is unions. Mm -hmm. Unions was responsible for us having that, and some of us taking it for granted today. So, and then the on the flip side, there will be those who would abuse some of the privileges that came with unions. That's just the flip side of it. But, but correct. Again, but, 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 that's but correct. why we pay management. That's why we right. pay management big money. Right, exactly. You manage manage. I could talk if from you being a union member. You I'm a I'm a union member, you know, a tutor. And within the education system, you can see so much that you know there's a whole other episode by itself if ever we get into that. You know, maybe I might have to sit out that one. But um <laughs> but, but, but you know. I really, really, when you really look at it, you know, is is so so much I could see just in edu education that just you know is make a scratch your head as to what the people in on top who supposed to really be who making anyhow. Let me stop talking. Good discussion. How does Petrotrin's closure compare with Carini and Titan Methanol plant? Are there any similarities? Anybody? Um, yeah, I'll start here, and then Timo could probably pick up the, the second mm -hmm. part. And um, Petrin and Carney actually have real parallels. I will say it is extremely similar to Carney. You, mm -hmm. you had a, I started talking about a, a legacy asset. So you, you had your expenses, mm -hmm. you had things you needed to rehabilitate. Get into too much debt through whatever reason, be it um, bad decisions, bad financing, improper project management, whatever these things are. And then you kick the can down the road every five years. Every five years, you see that can and say, boy, I'm not dealing with this. And you kick it down for the next five, for the next five, and for the next five, until you break it. And that is effective. In my mind, that is what happened with Karen. Now, it might not be one of the chat who do even know what Karen is, but on a personal mm. level, it would be very upsetting. I was mm. often passed by San Madeline. And it would be very upsetting to pass point up here and see the same thing in 10 years. Right. Um, Titan, yeah. I think, is a different Parallel, thing. The, the parallels with Petrotrin mm -hmm. and Carney is mismanagement. Mm -hmm. Mismanagement. <laughs> and obviously, shifting the blame, making our union, making all the union to be this bad thing and the workers to be greedy. 
It's Correct. the same thing happened with Kayani, happened with Petrochin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, us not having the sh- the sugar industry still functional in some way is a tragedy. The discussion of restructuring. Yeah. Restructuring. Nobody, I don't think any sensible person would be opposed to you restructuring something for it to work. I don't think so. But yeah. close it down. Yeah, yeah don't, we are, we are, don't, at the point in time, close it down, we are oil and gas. Yeah, don't, don't, don't worry. They, they go build an HGC development on Karani lands. That's how they kick yeah. the body. We are going with robust um, construction projects to boost <laughs> the economy. Why should we be even talking about fossil fuel when the rest of the world is talking renewable, Ramuta Ramsarup? Why should we even be talking fossil fuel? Again, I think Navin touched on that. Navin, you can probably get into that quickly. Yeah. Um, so I'll try to be real quick. Um, two things. One, we dependent on on fossil fuels to continue our economy, right? On some level, it will always play a part. As long as it happens in this country, it's there to be exported and we should do it or refined into mm-hmm. product or whatever it is we decide to do with it. Um, Right, even make a good point there about commodity markets. They play an integral role in commodity markets. And the truth is, I'll, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say truth, I'm not a renewable energy expert, but the future right. energy is going to be a mix. And yeah. we have, again, we have a real unique opportunity to put ourselves very much forward in this if, if we get the right measures in place, if we get proper government support, if we get the right policies in place. You know, we, we live in a world where you have, think about this. If you have a protected piece of forest in the Amazon or in Africa and you sign up, you could trade carbon credits and earn money from it. Now, we in Trinidad used to actually do carbon sequestering and reinjection. Somebody from the upstream could talk a bit more about it. We, we mm-hmm. actually used to do that. There's, there's the kind of technologies you're talking about now that could very well save us with this 1.5 degree that we need to hit, right? Direct air capture could be a thing in Trinidad. DAC and, and sequestering carbon is another thing we could look at. So we have opportunity if we have the will. And the thing is, we're real unique in that, yes, we need um we need to have renewable energies as part of the power generation mix. That's for sure. No question about it. But we also need to make the most efficient and the safest use of the resources we have. I I I, I would still just want to add in that um I mean, fellas, we we, we, we we spend a lot of time unpacking the reality of, of, of petrogen, and I think a lot of people learn from, from what we were talking about. But we do have to have another show to really talk about uh, possible options um, in, in the future. And renewables is a very complex topic. Um, I mm-hmm. would say, though, that there, there's a lot of different market forces that, that govern renewables. We know Biden and they're talking about transitioning to fully renewables in the next 55 years, but there's a lot of complexities about doing that in um, in Trinidad. So I wouldn't want people to just go away thinking, well, renewables is a solution for everything. Uh, it's, no. it's a very complex it's, it's complicated. You know, thing. So I mean, I, I would say that, you know, we, we will give the commitment. I, I know quite a few of them. And, um, we give the commitment that we're definitely going to do a renewable show um, in yes. the near future. Not, noted. Did OWTU go, got did OWT get too powerful over the decades to the point that management could not institute changes? 
Anybody? Timo? Um, OWTU, OWTU is and has always been a powerful organization. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, let me put something in perspective. If management is doing what they're supposed to do, whether or not a union is powerful or not, then there is, there is not going to be any issue for the mm -hmm. union and the management to be pulling and tugging. If you're managing an entity properly, there's very little a union can do it. Eh? Mm -hmm. And that is factual. Mm -hmm. True. True, because then, then there's not that there's not that, that avenue for a case to be made for the kind of things that is be happening. You understand? And it it is what it is. I graduated as a process engineer in 2010, but could not secure a job in the field. Now I am a teacher and master of students want to pursue this degree. Should I encourage or discourage students in getting into the field given the current state of the economy? Navin. Um, okay, so it is, is a hard question to answer because yeah, um, it's a tough one because to, to be completely honest, you shouldn't be making a decision um, to, for where you want to pursue, you know, with the rest of your life looking only at the current state of the economy. It, it would try to look into the future. I know that's a, a super hard thing to do at, at 17, 18 years. I mean, I myself would sit down and think, wait, wait, this is what I really wanted to do sometimes. As it turned out, yes. But in terms of, if, if you're thinking solely about Trinidad, I honestly feel our energy industry in decline, and I'm not sure if we're going to have a long-term future. Uh, sorry, we will also have a long-term future. I don't think it, I'm not necessarily sure it's going to have a, a employable future for a new grad who in to come out in two or three years. Like, it, you might get a training opportunity, and then you have to figure yourself out from there. That said, I wouldn't discourage somebody who's thinking globally to not do it. If you feel, okay. because in Trinidad, process engineering pretty much limited to the, the energy industry. Outside, it have you know pharmaceuticals, it have bioengineering, it have some extent it have a, a role in renewables. Um, it have a whole heap of other things you could do. So that's, that's kind of where my mindset is with it now. Thanks for that insight, there, Navin. So Fawi, you get you get um you answer there, Fawi. Don't discourage youths, Fawi. Come on. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Oh, no, we back. We back to um, Rajiv. Ra 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 yes, yes. Are you gonna end up on our bank here? Right. Yeah. Oil and gas is not a guarantee for prosperity. Which third world country in oil and gas is a prosperous country? Oh gosh. Somebody. Let me just do my preliminary yeah. answer. Think about yeah. think about the Emirates 20 years ago and Qatar 15 years ago. The most fishing I, and catching right. pools for living. I have nothing to say again. Exactly. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could deal with it. I could deal with it. Right? So, first off, the amount of questions you're asking... Next time, come on, <laughs> come on, show and talk, and we'll deal with that. You understand? Next thing is to say which total oil country in oil and gas um, is a prosperous country. The prosperity of the whole Middle East. Middle East is first world countries. I thought they, I thought a lot of them is, is third world, but again, you see, oil is a very volatile commodity. So as that profitability goes up. Um, the entire industry could go with it depending on your reserves. As we see in with Guyana, Guyana looking at close to 200 years of prosperity ahead of them. 
you understand, because of the size of, 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 of that field. Now, it's not that we say, um, you know, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 I like that one. <laughs> it's not that I'm saying that oil and gas is the only future. Trinidad has positioned itself where they're very strong financially, where a lot of international agencies will be willing to lend Trinidad money um, to invest in a lot of different uh, industries. But it's a matter of having what they call a bankable program, and we will talk a little more about that another time. But at the end of the day, no industry is guaranteed for prosperity. But at the end of the day, you have to know when to ride the wave. And Trinidad in a lot of areas has strong infrastructure whereby they could ride that wave should things look to get better. Um, of course, we're coming out of the pandemic, which, has, which is a very unique stressing situation uh, for the economy. Um, but to me, by deciding to put the refinery in the position that we in, we damage our own infrastructure and put ourselves in a much less agile position in CARICOM to be able to now uh, diversify into other in, into other areas. So right? I'll touch on, touch on that point of diversification. Um, yeah. Over the years, we would have we would have made a lot of money off our oil and gas. But the reality is that, and, I, and I'm being straightforward and frank, majority mm. of the time we had we had lazy politicians who couldn't mm. take outside mm. the box, who couldn't mm. take the money that we was making and make it work for the country. And that That's is right. the reason why we the, we the position we're in right now. And people Correct. people continue to miss that point, you know. Continue mm -hmm. to miss that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Marvin, mm -hmm. any closing yeah. remarks on this on this um, question here? Yeah, two things I agree with. with um, three things. I agree with, with both Tim one and Leslie here. You had to ride the wave, but you had to know when the wave was going to crash. And you had to, you have to learn to use, we, we should have used that money from 15, 20 years ago. To, to really invest in, in future industries. Like, even them just probably get fed up by hearing me say this. I could never understand why Trinidad do have advanced computing as an industry. Why we didn't have data center. We have cheap power. Yes, it's hot, but we have Correct. cheap power. Why we, why we didn't Correct. use the money to go forward. Instead, you know, it, it, the money honestly didn't go that far. It, it didn't do much for us. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Um, overall, it. I hope, I genuinely hope that... I do genuinely hope that the um that the refinery comes back. But I'll not be a part mm -hmm. of it neither here nor there for me is is more that I think it my experience it was no matter what happened, it was positive. And I will always be happy mm -hmm. for the time I spend there. It makes me into a better engineer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like mm -hmm. I learned real plenty for my time there. And I don't think it have anybody at all, no matter how sour as there was towards Petrotrain, no matter how much somebody thinks Petrotrain is a useless asset, it makes them into the mm -hmm. person they are today when they were employed there and they shouldn't forget it. Um, and secondly, I forgot to say this at the beginning. Um, happy International Women, Women in Engineering Day to all the female engineers. Yes, Big up, man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big up the woman in science, man! Big up the woman in science. Right. And on that's and on right. that and on that positive note, I want to bring today's episode to a close. I think that last question mm -hmm. posed by Rajiv there was one that kind of encapsulated a lot of the final mm -hmm. thoughts that we could end on tonight. Um, I want to thank everyone for all their insight. I know that Brother Rajiv would hold us um, um, to that. Well, we will hold him to that, mm -hmm. and we will have him on on our next day. He he almost made it to this one, but there was a bit of a, a, a of a ambiguity as to what we were, where we were really going with this one. But I think now that we've um, you know lifted off from here from this platform, right, that we could actually look to a part two in the next quarter. 
Um, so thank you so much, everybody, for our um, for your time for listening to our insight and so on on this issue. I see there's some people here who was asking questions earlier as to why we're doing the yeah, episode, boy. but they, they seem to have enjoyed it. I, I see they were, yeah, they were wrong. Uh, and, um, yeah. and um, you know, people, I would say I would just close on on my on my um little non-industry man note and say that so we really if we keep asking ourselves and telling ourselves that well that this this didn't make no sense what 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 better you want trinidad corrupt trinidad can be better than what we really leave in power children really and truly mm -hmm. you understand mm -hmm. if we keep saying why are we talking about it was the point trinidad corrupt trinidad corrupt yeah. what are we really really trying to say that, we if, are that exactly and um i mean yes it's it easy to say and it's the next thing to do and that is annexing to our culture. We have a culture of talk and not action, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, but my comrades mm -hmm. on the screen here and my comrades <laughs> in the in the chat, yes, right? The day, the days, and the, will come for action. And we hope that everybody could put their their well, lack of money where their mouth is. All right. We go form a union, Qatar. Don't worry, Haiti. Yeah. All of us yeah. in the union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of us join my union, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, yes, the third world, the third world oil curse is a reality too. We do know the third world oil curse is a reality, just like what our neighbors have experienced, you know. But at the end of yes, the day, we have to look. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, look, we look. We have to. So we we have. We have to look towards <laughs> breaking it. We have to look towards breaking it. But anyway, people are. Hey, Lalcha is the scene, brother. And go well. And yeah. I see a lot of men. Yeah. A lot of men from the We need men from that year above me. I know see these men. I don't see these men at all. It's not when you bring out the men. All right. So um, the brother is not here. So sorry, I'm coming on the screen before we go now, man. Let me see you now. Yeah, man. yeah, 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 yeah. So let's thank Savin, man. I really enjoyed this. Um yeah, man, yeah, yeah, we'll have you again for sure. We'll have you again for sure. And we'll get Tori and your shadow ban. We can't see you. We can't see your shadow ban. Tori and your shadow ban. I want to worry. See my mom bullet payment. You know, you have to keep it on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Timo and Navi, thank you so much. I know we are going to have you all back on your show in the next quarter, definitely. And I want to thank you all once again for all your input and all the questions. And we are going to have another cutting episode next week dealing with lgbtq yes, rights in tnt we are going to yeah, have uh i would say a groundbreaking interview and also yeah, discussion on, on the lgbtq um community in tnt so look out for that people from all of us here in the heights room big up all yourself Look up on bless Right.